Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe that this message is going to bless your life, encourage you, and strengthen your walk with Jesus. Grab a notebook, a pen, and let's jump right in. And awesome. This morning, we are going to be jumping into a series called Identity. You can see it on the screen behind me. But last week, Pastor Chris preached on a conquering your giants and how giants will pop up their ugly head every once in a while and we we gotta we gotta conquer them and that god has given us a way we have some tools to, to overcome these giants and man if you haven't listened to that sermon take a moment go back next week or go back to last week's sermon listen to it when you get home or maybe you're like man i'm still dealing with giants in my life put that thing on repeat and listen to it over and over again and i believe you're gonna find uh, victory in your life because Jesus has given us victory and we need to take hold of the victory that he has given us. Today, I want to ask you the question, who are you? Yeah, it's one of the main questions whenever you meet someone new, you walk into the room and you don't know the people that say, hi, what's your name? All right, Luke, so what do you do for a living? Or what, what do you do for fun? What's your hobby? It's like, it's like this question is asked to us on a regular basis, who are you? What do you do? Do you have purpose? Are you somebody I want to talk to? And we begin to, as we grow up and as we get older, we begin to, okay, this is what my identity is. My identity is found in what I do. My identity is found in where I've been, the college I went to, or what I'm doing now. Like, my identity is found in these things, and we're, and we're searching and we're longing for, and then we've come to a point where we're like, Does, do I really matter in this world? Do I even have a purpose at all? Like, why am I here? Is this what I'm really meant for? Is this thing I'm doing, is it really what God's asked me to do? Is this all that he has for me, or is this life just blah? Like, we, we all come to a point where we're asking these questions. Like, for me, I, I ask these questions when I'm stressed and, stressed and I'm anxious at night, and I'm like, man, is, is what I'm doing really even making a difference? Am I really doing anything that's going to make leave a legacy down the road? Is this even really all worth it? And I believe we all come to a point where we're asking this question, man, who am I really? So today I want to take a moment and share from the passage of scripture from, we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10, and it talks about who God says we are. And today I want us to take root in who God says we are. When we find our identity and value in the right things, our relationships with others will be better. Your prayer and your worship life will be better, and you will be a better co-worker, father, husband, and overall, a better person. Now, don't get me wrong. That, like, man, if you just have positive thinking and you, you speak positive things over your life, it's all going to be great, and you're all going to do good, but it's not always going to work that way. I, I love this quote from Brennan Manning. It says this, genuine self-acceptance is not derived from the power of positive thinking, mind games, or pop psychology. It is an act of faith in the God of grace. See, we got to root our identity in God. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and a New Living Translation that says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The first thing that stands out to me from this verse is, long ago, God had a plan for you, which means your life has purpose. Your life has meaning. That, that's what we can take away, that no matter who you are, or what you're going through, or where you've been, your life has a purpose, and your life has a meaning. Yeah. God sees you, he loves you, he knows what you're going through, and he made you in his image. And he said it was, it was 
amazing. He said, man, this is my masterpiece. I, I, I'm so pleased in my work that I've done. And I, I love them, and there's nothing they could do to make me love them any more or any less. See, one of the bigger issues in our society today is our identity. We're trying to, everybody's trying to figure out who they are. They're trying to figure out, do I fit in here or do I fit in here? Then, then we not only do we, are we trying to figure out, but then we have things that are trying to pull our attention. Like our news outlets are giving us their agenda of who we should be or what we should do or how we should respond to certain issues that are happening in our world. And then we have social media where we have people, our friends that are so called friends that we're, we're friends with every once in a while. We, we like their posts. They have their agenda of what we should think we should be or what they, we should think the world should look like. Then we have our schools who are feeding to our kids their agenda of what they should be and how they should grow up. And everything is begging for our attention and it makes us, leaving us asking questions like, is God even real? Is God at war with science? Is God even, does God even care about me? Does God even, even care about anything? Is religion good? What is my place in this world? If I don't fit the stereotypical mold of gender, do, should I change who I am just so I can fit that, that mold that everyone else wants me to be? What is my place in this world? When I'm, and when I'm depressed and anxiety, should I react? Should I respond? Should I let it, everyone know or should I keep it to myself and not tell anyone? Do I have to live up to the expectations of society or is it all hopeless? If my life is so different than the life of others on Instagram or TikTok or social media or those on TV, does my life even matter? Do I even have the influence or, that those people have? Does, does it all matter or is it all worthless? I think you're getting what I'm saying today, that all of this is attached to our identity. This is all attached to, man, does, this, does my life even matter? Do I even make a difference in this world or, or is this just blah? Like, his life is just, like, am I just supposed to walk the everyday life and just hope I make it through another day, another week, another month, another year, another 10 years? Like, what does life have for me? Where is my identity rooted? See, today, if you take root in God's identity for you, your life is going to be so much better. If, you're, if you have a skewed view of your identity, then your theology and your relationship with God will be skewed. See, we got to have a good outlook on who God says we are. Today, I'm going to take a look at seven truths, seven truths about your identity. The first is this. You are not your past. You are not your past. See, so many times the enemy will come in and try to tell you you are who you were in the past. What you've done back then, man, that's who you are today. You're never going to live up to who God wants you to be. That mistake you made, that mistake's going to come back down the road and you're going to make that same mistake again. See, we, we like to live in our past instead of living in the life that God has given us. But when, we, but when we're living in the past, we're misreading Ephesians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. It says this, And you were dead in the trespasses of sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world. See, when we read this, sometimes we have a negative Look, we are not reading it through the correct biblical worldview that we're supposed to be reading it. See, if we, in fact, if we look at how these verses start, it says, you were dead. 
See, you were dead to your trespasses. When you were in your past, when you were not living for God, you were dead to your past mistakes. You were, you were trespassing. You were doing wrong. It, it didn't matter. And like, you're, you were dead. You were dead then. But when you come into a relationship with Christ, you are made new. Your past doesn't matter anymore. You're now defined by who Christ says you are. You're wrapped in his righteousness. And you're defined by him. The next verse starts with, in which you once walked. It doesn't say, in a way you walk now, that now you are following the course of the world. No, but when you once walked, the way you once walked, you were following the passions and the desires of this world. See, the verse doesn't say anything about how we're presently walking. It all talks about how we were walking before we came into a relationship with Jesus. So let me ask you, are you looking at the past wrong? See, the devil wants us to remember the past. He wants us to live in the past. He wants to say that the past is who you are, and that's who you're always going to be. But the devil is a liar. He's a father of lies, it says. And he's lying to you to get you focused on your past, that you get so focused on your past, you don't even see what Jesus did for you. See, the devil's actually lying, lying to you about the, full, the whole past. See, in the past, there's, a, there's Jesus. Jesus came into this world, lived a perfect life, a sinless life, died on the cross so that your life could not be defined by your past when you come into a relationship with him. So whenever you live in your past and you're focused on your past, you're not truly living in the identity that Jesus has for you. So in all honesty, we're living spiritually nearsighted. We only see what's presently in front of us and seeing the whole picture of what God has done for us. See, your past does contain who you were. Your past does contain what you've done. But your past should not define you. So your past should ultimately lead to you giving a testimony. Saying, look, God brought me from here so he can bring you from that. Jesus brought me from this. He made me brand new. He took me those addictions away from me. I'm not like that anymore. And now I'm this. Yes, your past is there, and you should reflect on your past to remember, man, this is what God brought me from. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, making me brand new, but we can't live in the past. Truth number two, you are not your mistakes. You are not your mistakes. In Colossians 1, verses 1 and 3, it says, Since you have been raised raised to a new life of Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. For you've died to this life, and your, real, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. See, when you accept Jesus into your heart, this is your new present reality. Your, your mistakes don't define you anymore. Yeah, you're going to mess up, you're going to fall, you're going to trip and fall, but they don't define you. You're not who your mistakes say you are. See, God doesn't just address the past and say, oh, the past is good, but you better live up to the present. You better meet that standard because if you don't, man, I don't know if I can take care of you anymore. But it's not like that. See, God also addresses the present as well. See, sometimes we want to treat grace like this amazing deal. Like you, you went into Walmart, that TV you've been shopping for the longest time is like marked down a couple hundred dollars. Like, let's go. This deal is a once in a lifetime. I, I need to jump on this deal right now. And we treat God's grace that way when God's grace is there for you the whole time. So we say, hey amen, if I, I got this grace, it's amazing. He saved me from my past. He saved me from my present. But if I mess up again, whoo, 
that deal's gone forever. I better not mess up. That's not how it is. See, grace is there for you when you mess up. Now, grace isn't something that like, oh, I messed up. Now I need to, uh, grace is so great. I hear about it. Man, you know what? I'll just keep doing that sin because God's grace is so good. No, that's not how it works. Paul talks about in Romans 6, should I keep on sinning just so I can experience God's amazing grace? Of course not. He's like, no, like that's, that's terrible theology. Don't do that. So he's like, get it, like grace is there for you when you mess up, when you make a mistake, because we're, we're inevitable. We're going to make a mistake. We're going to fall. We're going to fall flat on our face and probably countless of times more than we ever want to, but God's grace is there to pick us back up. His grace is there to say, I love you. I see you made that mistake, but it's fine. I got it under control. I got you under control. I got your salvation. See, Jesus didn't erase the past and leave us where we are. He made us a new creation. He empowers us to be more. Truth number three, you are not perfect. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not perfect. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm not perfect. Because we're not perfect. Like... Get it in your head, you're not perfect. Because if you think you're perfect, you're going to fail. You're going to trip and fall over and over again. And you're never going to think the price that Jesus paid for you is ever enough. You're going to say, you're gonna say man, I, I got to be perfect so that I can earn my salvation. I got to do this so that I, I can stand in right before God and say, God, I did this. I gave my tithe. I, I went above and beyond my tithe. I gave to missions. God, I read my Bible every day, five chapters a day. I did it. But at the end of the day, you're reading, you're you're giving, yeah, it's making a difference, but it doesn't, it's not what saves you. It's your relationship with God that saves you. It's God's life in you. That's Jesus coming in and restoring you, making you a new creation. See, only perfection can achieve it. That's our thought process, but we're not perfect. We will never be. Only Jesus was perfect. If we could earn it, then it's not grace, because grace is freely given. I love Donald Miller's quote from Scary Close. It says this, Those who cannot accept their imperfections cannot cannot accept grace either. Those who cannot accept their imperfections cannot accept grace either. Like, that's a a gut punch. Like, if I I can't accept my imperfections, I don't want to admit that I I messed up. I can't admit that I'm a sinner. God's grace isn't going to cover the areas where you don't give it to him. That's essentially what it's saying. God's like, my grace is good. My grace is for you. But if you can't see that you're imperfect and that you messed up and that you're a sinner, my grace can't cover you. So let's relieve ourselves of the stress and pride of having it all together and having a perfect image. Jesus accepts, just accept God's love and grace that he has freely given to you. See, religion tells you to be perfect. Religion says you've got to keep it together. You've got to put on that perfect image when you come into church. You've got to make, look the part, talk the part. You've got to be the part. But relationship with Jesus says, come as you are. I will change you. I will make you a new creation. And today, don't think you have to look the part to, be, to fit in here at Encounter. Jesus is here for you. He's going to change you. It's not our job to tell you what you're doing is wrong. It's not our job to point fingers at you and say, you need to clean up. You need to do this. You need to get rid of that. You need to get rid of this. I have stuff in my life that I need to get rid of too. So I have no right saying what you need to get rid of in your life. I have no right to even think that way. See, relationship with Jesus says, let Jesus do it. Jesus will take care of it. You are accepted here at Encounter, and we believe God's going to work 
in you, and through you. That's right. That's right. So grace is not a free pass. Uh, I've read that already. I already talked about that. Number four, truth number four, you are made in his image. You are made in his image. In Genesis 1, we see the creation account. We see who God is. God is the creator of everything. He, he's like, you know what? This world, I, I need to make a world. I need to make a universe. I'm going to put stars here. I'm going to put the earth here. I'm going to put the other planets here. And then on this earth, I'm going to put the land here, the water here, the, the sky here. And then I'm going to create animals. And I'm going to create all these things. And we see who God is. He's creating everything. And he looks over and he says, man, this is good. I did a good job. But he said, there's something missing. There's something missing that I, I, need, to, I need to add something to this earth. And he decided, you know what, I need to make man. I need to make women. I need to make them in my image. Let's read in Genesis 1, 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. See, God created us in his image. And he said, after he said it, he said, he said after the creation, it was good. But when he created man and female, he said it was very good. Is exactly what he wanted. And he said it was perfect. And then he rested. See, God created us in his image. The creator of the universe created you in his image. Like, that's mind-blowing to me. He created, could have created us to look like anything, but he decided to create us in his image. So we need to have the correct understanding of who we are and to understand that God has created us in his image. To understand your role in life and your walk with God, you must understand this concept. The creator defines the creation. The creator defines the creation. See, you can look at any artist, anyone who's created anything, and they're who say what it is. Steve Jobs created Apple. He created the iPhone, the iPod, and he said, I want it to be this. And then he defined it, this is an iPod, this is an iPhone. He created and gave definition to it. And when God created us, he said, this is my children. This is my son. This is my daughter. They are made in my image. The creator can only define its creation. If you allow society, friends, parents, employers, your surrounding and social media to define who you are, you will be searching and longing for purpose. You'll be looking in all the wrong places if you're looking to those people. We only can find our identity in God because God created us in his image to be like him. Truth number five, you are his masterpiece. You are his masterpiece. Ephesians 2, 10 again, we are, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I don't know about you, but I, I struggle with this one in my life. Like viewing myself that I'm created in God's image and that God truly loves me because he created me. I struggled with this for a while. But in John 15, 9 and 11, it helped me understand what Paul's talking about in Ephesians. In John 15, 9, it says this, As a father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So let's break this down. How much does God love Jesus? Like I, would, I would probably say a lot. Like, I don't even think we could put words to how much God truly loves Jesus. But we do see that God audibly says when Jesus is being baptized, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. 
And Jesus in turn is saying back to his disciples and saying to us today, as much as God loves me, as much as my Father loves me, I love you. See, Jesus loves you so much, and he tells us to abide in his love. When I looked up the definition of abide, the third definition said this, abide to accept without objection. To, uh, to, uh, to accept without objection. If you want to accept the identity that God has for you, if you want to accept the joy that God has for you, if you want to accept the purpose and the plans that he has for you, you have to accept it without objection. And understand that Jesus loves you so much, and God loves you so much. All right, truth number six, you are a new creation set apart and holy. You are a new creation set apart and holy. See, in life, we tend to act out what we believe ourselves to be. See, before you ever get that promotion at a job, you're not going to truly live in the manager role until you get that management position. When you're in college, you're not going to truly act like the engineer or whatever you're getting your degree in until you get that degree. And then you say, oh, I got the qualifications. I can be this. I can do what I went out to accomplish. See, we try to think ourselves to be something before we are to it, or we don't act it out until we see it come through. See, when you get promoted, you start being what you believe you are. Today, I want you to understand that you are chosen, set apart, and holy, and a new creation. You need to take hold of this new identity that Christ has given you. Your old life is gone. Your past mistakes, they don't define you anymore. You are a new creation. You have been adopted into God's family, given a new name. You are now holy because Christ is holy. See, you are who God says you are. You're not who your past says you are. You're not who your mistakes say you are. You are set apart. You are a new creation, and you are holy. Truth number seven. You are called. You are called. Because of all of this, God has called us. He's given us purpose. He's given us things that we are passionate about. And he's given us things so that we can live out the things that he's called us to be. See, so many times we talk about calling for just pastors or missionaries or people who serve in the church. Like we just talk about calling is just for them. But God can call us to so much more than just being a pastor. See, all of us cannot be pastors. All of us cannot be missionaries. But we all have a call on our life. Some of us were called to be a doctor. We're called to be a farmer. We're called to be an engineer. We're called to, to serve in the school as a teacher. We're called to do these things that whatever it may be, God has called you to. But when we're called, God also calls us to be a light in this world. He says that you're supposed to witness to your family, your friends, your coworkers. You're supposed to, to be a light to everyone you come in contact with. We all have a call to give our best to God. No matter what you're doing, if you hate what you're doing or you love what you're doing, you're called to give your best to God. The Bible says that we're supposed to worship God in everything that we do. If we begin to do our job as worship to God, I believe our bosses are going to take notice. They're going to say, wow, their, their attitude's different now. And in that, there's going to open a door. They're going to ask questions. Man, what changed from you acting a month ago to now? What, what happened? What's so different? And then you have an opportunity to say, 
I realized that what I was doing isn't just for me. Isn't just about a paycheck anymore. Isn't just about to get food on the table. Isn't just to pay the bills. But what I'm doing is supposed to be worship to God. And that's far much more worth it than just getting this paycheck. So whatever you're doing, do it to God. You're called to work in that way. See, I believe God has given us passions. I believe he's given us passions that, of things that we love. See, God, God has equipped you with things that, that he's given you so that you can connect with people, that you can begin to have a relationship with people. And then as you're having a relationship, relationship with people, that you begin to witness to them, that you begin to share the love of God with them. And they begin to realize that God has a plan for them, that God loves them. See, that's what we're called to do. We're called to be a light in this world. And maybe you're sitting here, look, man, the job I'm doing, I'm not passionate about it. I don't love it. Maybe you followed what your parents wanted you to do or maybe a spouse wanted you to do. And you're saying, man, I don't feel filled at the end of the day doing what I'm doing. I don't feel like I'm making a difference in what I'm doing. Well, maybe you need to go to God and say, God, did I follow my own plans for my life? The plans for what my parents have for me or my spouse have for me or whoever it is. Like, I followed their plans, my plan. I didn't give any account to you, God. God, what have you called me to? God, what's your plan for me? I hear you talking about God giving you passions and purpose. I don't know what my purpose or my passions are. I believe this, you're going to have to take a moment and look at and ask God, God, what is, what is it you've given me? What's in my hands right now that I can use for you? What am I passionate about? What is my purpose? See, the reason why we're talking about identity today is this. You can only multiply who you are. You can only multiply who you are. I want you to take a moment and to evaluate yourself. Where do you get your identity from? Do you get your identity from what you do? Do you get your identity from your spouse? Do you get your identity from your kids? Do you get your identity from what you did whenever you were in high school and college and you just lived through that identity and you just kept it there? Where do you get your identity from? So you're going to have to be honest with yourself. Because if you can't be honest with yourself, you're not going to be honest with anyone. My mentor drilled it in my head over and over again that you, can, or you are only as strong as you are honest. See, once I realized that I'm only as strong as I am honest, that I was living out the quote that Donald Miller said, that, your imp- that grace can only stick to your imperfections. And when I begin to be honest, that man, I'm not perfect. I'm not meeting the standard here. I, I have things here that I need to give up. God's grace began to stick to it. God's favor began to stick to it. And I began to see God just begin to move in my life in a different way. See, we got to be honest. So I want you to ask yourself, am I believing the lies of the enemy? Is my identity found in something other than God? Am I looking for a void to be filled in all the wrong places? I keep going back to this thing, but after I go to it, I feel so empty. I feel so empty over and over again. I, I just keep running for the high to the next high to the next high, and I just keep feeling empty. Empty. 
Is your identity rooted in who God says you are? What's your identity found in? Who are you? See, if your identity is not found in Christ, you will not be able to multiply yourself that we talked about in our multiply series the past six months. See, if we want to multiply ourselves, if we want to see God grow the kingdom, we got to get healthy. We got to get a healthy biblical perspective of who God says we are. We got to understand that we're his children, that he loves us, that he called us, that he has a plan for your life. And it's far greater than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And when you do, you'll find it easier to share your faith, to pray with those in public, and you will find a joy that surpasses everything that you want to share with everyone. So let me ask you who are you going to multiply? Your old life or your real life? Let's pray today. Thank you again for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to your life.